Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the Nick Frazier Podcast. I have on with me today, Luca, who's going to be covering a lot of Preds talk with me. It's his specialty, not much mine, but that's why I bring on guests to help me out on this type of stuff. So I have Luca on today. We're going to be talking some Preds, and obviously, he's an Eagles fan, so it's a part of one of those one of those situations where it's a national spotlight and uh and if you want to start with the eagles or the preds whichever you're more comfortable with we can let that go uh i say we start with the preds because the eagles are probably going to get the folks riled up and i want to keep that interest and that suspense building you know well done i like it i like it yeah you know uh, do my part to get listeners engaged you know you are a hey, you're thinking outside the box there, Luca. I love it. I love it. Yes, well, sir. if we're starting with the Preds, let's kind of start with the issue that the Preds had with the Milwaukee Admirals. They're not playing this year, I guess, due to COVID and stuff. And if I'm not mistaken, there was an article put out yesterday that the Carolina Hurricanes have reached an agreement with the Preds to have some of their prospects play for their AHL team. I think you're right about that. Um, a lot of crap's been going down with minor league hockey this year. I mean, for one thing, the ECHL just up and folded, like the basically like the single A version for hockey. Right. Um, but yeah, no, the minor league stuff's been a whole mess because they don't want to do the bubble stuff because it's expensive, it's time consuming, it's tough on the players, and they're like, I'm not even in the show. Like, why would I deal with this? And then obviously the minors don't even have as much money as the NHL, which barely had enough money to make the bubble work last year so um you are right about the preds and the admiral situation there and the hurricanes coming in but um i don't know what this really means as far as like prospects with the preds like although i do know some of the bigger names like tolvanen went back over to uh the to europe to play um i don't know if that means he's just going to stay there for the whole season or not but i know a lot of players who were in his shoes, just kind of took that as an opportunity to go back home and play. Yeah. Um, as far as what this means for the Preds, though, like I said, with prospects throughout the year, I think that's TBD still because yeah, a lot of there's a lot of question marks about this NHL season in the first place. I mean, it's already a shortened year. Uh, just today, they came out with a story about Dallas and how they've got probably around like 10 personnel in their organization that have COVID. So they aren't going to be allowed to play for at least the first week of the season. Um, So that, you know, throws a little wrench in things. And like I said earlier, like the NHL is the least popular of the four major sports, at least generates the least revenue. So, you know, they've got to do what they can just to make things work and not having that extra assurance of like the financial support that the NFL and the NBA get doesn't yeah. help so well money aside i guess trying to get an idea of it we talked briefly on players that are going back home to say europe or somewhere else maybe i don't know the australian icehl is that what that is there's also that uh, league are you thinking of like the the northern european like the the dell and like the yeah Gale. i think that's what i'm thinking of yeah yeah yeah, yeah. So with that, say, for instance, the Preds obviously are not having their AHL team play, and they made, they've made an agreement with the AHL team in Carolina. So with some of their prospects playing there, I guess they're able to be called up. I know the NHL, they did expand their roster, right? Yes. Yeah, okay. They, 
made a lot more reserve room for this particular issue. But I don't know. It's interesting because remember when Vegas first joined the league, they actually like shared the minor league team with the Blues, I want to say. Mm, yeah. I don't remember if that was the exact setup, but I know they did have to share the affiliation with someone because they didn't have time to get them a minor league affiliate. Now they do, but um, I guess it'll work just kind of how that did where like the ones that are property of certain franchise can only be called up for that one and the others belong to the other franchise. It was, mm. it was weird. I mean, I don't think Vegas did it too much, but they had a lot of goalie shifting early in that first year, like Oscar Dansk and those guys. So I guess it works, but not, not even worrying about that. The Preds don't even have a lot of talent to be worried about right now. So. Yeah, That's what I was going to say next is that, you know, last year, the Preds miss Ryan Ellis a lot. And obviously now not being injured and having that full strength D, well, I mean, with a shortened season, that should the odds should be in the Preds' favor for the defensive side of things. Wouldn't you agree? I would definitely give them the benefit of the doubt as far as longevity and, like, durability on the back end. Um, I mean, Ryan Ellis's injury history has definitely always plagued him and been kind of a question mark going into the season. And you can obviously see how much of a difference he makes because, like, just even going back to that series against Arizona, um, uh, the one of the greatest forgotten defenseman plays of that entire playoffs was Ryan Ellis keeping the puck in at the blue line in game four or game three, was it, when we were – no, it was game four. We were struggling yeah. to get that last goal to tie it up, send it to overtime. Ryan Ellis held the puck in. It was like a fluttering puck headed towards the blue line. He knocks it down, flips it over Forsberg, pots it, ties the game up with like 30 seconds. Probably one of the greatest keep-ins and then immediate moves I've ever seen. But, you know, he's always been that kind of guy. You can just pull something out of the hat, like, but is also very solid. And at times doesn't make the best defensive plays. But, I mean, a lot of Preds defensemen are guilty of that because they bear a lot of the offensive burdens as well. <clears throat> but, um, I mean, yeah, having him and Ekholm – or him and Yosti, whichever pairing they decide to go with. Yeah. I have a lot of confidence in that pairing. Just, I mean, any guy you put with Yosti is going to, is going to be elevated. Exactly. Yeah, solely being with Roman Yosti, um, who is now the second odds on favorite to win uh, the Norris. I just saw it today. I'll be darned. Um, yeah, I know. It'd be cool. Uh, and then. Ekholm, I love. I've always thought he doesn't get enough credit for how good he plays and how consistent he is. And he's not very flashy and he's not very outspoken. So I think he brings a nice, like, calming presence to the team. Um, the third pairing always scares me, but I mean, at least we have Fabro to go with Ekholm. And I think Yannick Weber is getting like a professional tryout or he's still with us or something like that. But really, if, uh, I'm going to. I'm glad Matt Irwin's gone. So that's all I care about, really. Uh, he used to give me a heart attack when he touched the puck. I'll be honest. Don't we all just stop breathing for a moment? Just anytime he touched the puck, right? Yeah, I mean, TBT to when he had that like four-game goal streak in 2015. That was pretty wild. Um, and he played really well in their our cup run. But other than that, I've never had a steady moment when I've seen yeah. Matt Irwin with the puck. So <laughs> there's no consistency right there. Oh, no, there's man. no assurance whatsoever. Speaking of no consistency, 
I think it's a good time to transition to the offensive side of the Preds. I mean, not a lot of goal production last year. A lot of people are just looking left and right for answers. And we go with the coaching change midseason. And and granted, it was a good idea because the Preds still had some sort of playoff contention at the time. And now it's kind of Coach Hines is under the gun a little bit, wouldn't you have to say? His, his ideas have to be implemented from day one of this season for things to work out. I would say, yeah, I would say especially now that we didn't get Taylor Hall, he's even under a little bit more scrutiny because – you know, if you bring in a guy like Taylor Hall, who was an MVP under Hines and had his best year of his career by far, you know, the most of the attention shifts to Taylor Hall producing the way he did in New Jersey. But now that we failed to do that because apparently we can't match Buffalo's one-year $8 million deal for him, um, you know, the rest of that burden shifts now onto our already pretty lackluster offense. Um, I mean, I guess on the bright side, the Joe Flo line got reunited last year and actually produced pretty well in the playoffs. Joe Hansen was a little snake bit, which was unfortunate to see, but, you know, Forsberg really came around. He was our best player in that series by a lot. Um, now, that's not to say that I think he's going to keep that up because we've been waiting for the last probably four years now for him to finally reach that 40 goal plateau, even though he's probably one of those players that should be more in the 50 goal conversation, but yeah never seems to really elevate his play like that he always has those like kind of lulls in the middle of the season um but I I just I'm really not thrilled with the way this offseason went from an offensive perspective because it's like we didn't really have to worry about defense like you said earlier Ellis healthy we got Yossi, Fabro, and Ekholm are reliable and then the third pair as long as they're just responsible enough on defense they don't have to be superstars on both ends of the puck so both ends of the ice I mean um but we did not address our offensive deficiencies at all in my opinion um Nick Cousins like I've seen him play plenty because he was with the Flyers for a while and it's like okay like he's a solid like third liner kind of guy like he'll get you maybe like 15 goals tops in the year He's not a dumb player, but he doesn't bring anything that's very exciting or very creative. And same with like this Luke Coonan guy who he gave up Bonino and draft capital for. That was also like probably one of my least favorite uh, draft day trades ever. Um, not only because Nick Bonino went to my high school, but because we traded for a worse player and gave up a better pick for a worse pick. Now, granted, really Kunin is younger, right? Kunin is younger. He has size. He apparently has some amount of potential. But in my opinion, when you have a guy who's as consistent as Nick Benino and kills penalties, can play power plays, good five on five, is a veteran, has won two cups, like that's a guy you'd probably rather keep around than ditch for not only just ditch for a guy who's unproven and doesn't really have all the accolades but is also going to a division rival who already has Fiala who has since blossomed into the player that we were waiting for him to be Um, all I had to do is wait a little bit more time and possibly we would have the goal scoring that we needed I will say I mean it sucked to see Kevin go but at the same time I think he needed that change of scenery 
And yeah. I also always will stick by the stand by this that if he didn't break his leg in that series against St. Louis in the 2017 Cup run, he probably would have been that guy from that point on. Because that Chicago series, he had I want to say like three goals. Obviously, he had the big overtime game winner in Game mm-hmm. Three to put us up 3-0. But I mean, he was flying out there. Like he looked like the Fiala that we drafted was it 14th overall. Like, he looked like that guy finally, and then that injury happened. And, I mean, he still played well the following year, but, you know, the production was pretty streaky. And then I think that's honestly our biggest issue is we always get these young, promising forwards who are just very streaky. We don't have a guy like a Kucherov or a Crosby who's just going to always night in, night out, have a shot to give us two or three points. Right. Um, And then – Another move that I just sit here shaking my head at is picking up this Brad Richardson from the Coyotes, the guy who literally ended our season last year. Um, like he's, he's another like Nick cousins kind of guy. He's like, he's solid. He'll maybe get you like 10, 15 goals plays hard. He's fast. It's like, I mean, great. Like unless John Hines, has something in store for us that we don't know about. I just don't see a lot of promise in this, uh, these top nine we have going into the season. I mean, we got the Joe line. Bronlin's back now. We yes. signed him again. So I'm assuming it'll probably be him, Duchesne, and maybe Richardson or um, I don't know who, we, who else, because Craig Smith left. So I don't know yes, who he did. goes there now. Um, I thought Boston is a good good destination for him as well as a good fit. Um, he'll probably do really well there, honestly. But Boston's already a pretty solid team. So Yeah. I guess after you saying all this, what would you say is more of the issue? Is it player chemistry or coaching tactics? Or is obviously it's a little bit of both, but like what would you say more of? I think just for the Preds under LaViolette, it was just a matter of they kind of lost faith in the system and you could see like players not really buying in anymore after that 2018 season when we lost to Winnipeg. Like the the whole system just seemed out of whack and like players just were kind of doing their own thing, trying too hard to do individual stuff. And then some other nights we'd be passing way too much and just kind of like passing up good opportunities to shoot. And then now under Hines, I actually really liked the way we played against Arizona. I think that was one of those series where it's like we couldn't buy a break. I mean, if you remember that weird, weird first goal of the series where I think it was Ekman Larson or somebody just throws one towards the goal, not even really towards the goal, hits someone's skate, bounces off Duchesne's chest, and rainbows into the net over Soros. And you're just like, ah, <laughs> that's like one of those like, gonna be one of those games kind of thing and that's pretty much how that whole series went after we won game two um so i liked what i saw there but i still feel like the preds kind of lack an identity which is really the main issue like you look at teams like pittsburgh like their identity is that they are very skilled and very fast with the puck you look at other teams that have been like the blues when they won their cup, they were just grinders. Like they would wear you down physically. And then they had the talent to score. Mm -hmm. Um, 
you look at teams like Edmonton, who had a good year last year. They're mainly like skill and speed. I mean, that's how the game is going generally is more towards skill and speed because these slower guys, just even though they can wear you out physically, if they don't have the speed to keep up, doesn't do you much good. Um, so I think that should be their main focus in the first maybe dozen or so games of the season is just really establishing like who they are and what style they want to play. Cause they have the personnel to play that faster type of game with like Arvidsson, Granlund, Richardson, Cousins and some good speed. Like, but then again, like those guys aren't high skill guys. They're just workhorse kind of guys. So right. unless they kind of play above their expectations for the better part of the year, I don't know if they can sustain that kind of a style. So I guess on the other side of things, like they do have guys like Sissons who can keep up and are also pretty much a good all around. I think Sissons and Benino were like a really good combo. Um, just the way they played that they could, they could play power play. They could play an offensive game, but they're so defensively responsible and capable that I had no problem with them being out there in any situation. Really good face off guys too. I think that's one thing the Preds really should focus on too is puck possession this year because, yeah. you know, we have these puck-moving defensemen and that's all good and fine, but when you turn the puck over in the neutral zone Who's back 20 times a game, it's, yeah, like you either got Ryan Ellis skating his butt off to get back because someone just turned it over or, mm-hmm. you know, you get stuck with a forward playing defense or it's an odd man rush. And that's honestly what did us in against Arizona was the counterattacks we would always get forward sucked in too low or we turn the puck over in a bad spot and we wouldn't have enough guys back stuff like that. So hopefully Hines sorts those things out. Um, I'd like to see them come out and just assert themselves early in the year, like play physical, like let teams know we're not just going to be like a pushover run of the mill team, even though I feel like our, our, our roster is projecting us towards just per- like perilously average. <laughs> so yeah. Um, I'd say that's probably the biggest concern um, with the new because Heinz didn't he probably got like what 18 games in before the COVID break roughly roughly. and then the short four game series against Arizona I liked what I saw wasn't a very big sample size so we'll see if they can maybe reproduce that maybe that with a little more physicality would be good so well, you spoke on workhorses a little bit ago. What what about the boy Paisano Rocco, our boy Grimaldi? What where is he fitting into this I mean, equation? You can't you can't knock Rocco. I mean, dude plays his heart out every game. Um, and honestly, he has more offensive upside than some of these guys I've mentioned, like uh, Richardson, Cousins, Coonan. I, I could see Rocco eclipsing the twenty goal mark a lot more easily than I could those guys. I right. think Rocco. Just given that he's like Arvidsson in a lot of ways, he's except he's just a little bit more rough around the edges, I'd say. Because mm-hmm. Arvidsson's more of like a skill game, willing to take the the shots, but um, and stand in front of the net and all that. But Rocco initiates most of it. He doesn't just take it; he dishes it out. So um, I would like to. I think Rocco kind of got screwed a little bit last year because you're playing Colin Blackwell a lot who plays kind of a similar style but honestly I didn't think was as good at it not that Blackwell had a bad season but I didn't think he really added a lot 
Right, right. That's honestly been the story. That's been the story of the Preds for such for the last two years for me. It's like we bring in guys who don't add a lot, but they're not really like bad necessarily. Right. Um, but no, I love Rocco. I love the way he plays. Um, I hope that he can finally maybe establish himself as more of a top nine guy rather than a rotational fourth liner. Right. Um, because that's more or less what he became at the end of the La Violette run um hopefully Himes finds a bit more of a use for him because he I don't find me a guy who plays harder than Rocco Grimaldi or is more willing to get his nose in the dirty areas like that dude just he fights for everything I mean he's five foot six like he has to like that's how he's even made it this far is fighting Mm -hmm. for stuff you know so then I guess I guess what I'm trying to get at now after you're saying all this stuff about hard workers and grinders on this team um you think Hines has it figured out for the most part of what he's going to roll with this season? Because from my perspective, after reading a lot of stuff online and especially on the Preds website, it doesn't seem as optimistic as I want it to be. There's they're mentioning a lot about scrimmages and saying that there's a lot of relying factors on scrimmages. What do you think on that? Because I'm, I'm not, I'm not too high on it. I'm really not. I can't let myself be too high on it and it's not necessarily because of anything Heinz has done or not done it's more so the fact that we're in this weird uh period all sports where training camps aren't the same guys can't even hang out with each other outside the rink and build chemistry let alone be on the ice for more than whatever time slot is allotted for them based on league regulations and stuff um so I don't think the Preds really have a lot of it figured out, especially with all the shifting with the personnel. So like I said, despite the way they played against Arizona, I mean, a lot of the guys that we're going to have out there weren't in that series in gold. So yeah. it's yet to be seen just how much we can really play well as a unit. Um, I also still just have a lot of questions about Hines as a legitimate head coach because it's like, that one year in New Jersey, they made the playoffs. They got bounced immediately. I mean, yes, he coached Taylor Hall, who was the MVP of that season, but, you know, big deal. Like, he, <laughs> you still get tossed first round, and then you immediately become basement team in the East right after that, and you have to trade him and all, all that. So I don't really have a ton of confidence in the guy to begin with because I just haven't seen it, but – I will say that before the COVID break, their record was starting to turn, like take a turn for the better. They mm-hmm. were actually making a run at the top three in the division, if I remember correctly. I think we were two points behind Dallas mm-hmm. um, when things went to a standstill. So I want to be optimistic because, you know, lifelong Preds fan you just want to be but if I'm being realistic I think we're average team that has the potential to be good but also has the potential to be pretty bad so I agree that that's where I'm at honestly is the point of the Preds are in this odd situation like you're saying where they could be like if all these players play their potential they could be probably competing for the cup easy but you know, you get players that are just not buying into the system or not playing to their potential, then your season's going to go from up here to down here very quick. And then 
it's just you got to factor in that it's only a 58 game schedule so you really like that last quarter of the season where that like make or break your playoff positioning or whether you get in or get out like you don't have that to rely on anymore um it's basically now the season's split up into thirds so you got to kind of figure it out sooner rather than later that doesn't work to their advantage at all and then um got to keep in mind that our division is much tougher this year. <laughs> now we got to deal with Tampa and Carolina and Columbus and teams that were in the playoffs last year and actually made some noise. So not that I'm terribly worried about Columbus, but you know, any team with Tortorella behind the bench is, you know, going to give you a good fight. Um, I just really don't know what to expect from them. I'm trying to go in very open-minded because like, I don't, I don't, it wouldn't surprise me if we ended up being top three in our division, but it also wouldn't shock me if we ended up being bottom three in our division. Yeah. I mean, I saw a graphic on NHL's Instagram the other day, like how the teams and their new alignments and then it had like their point totals from the previous season. And we would have finished like second or third given the teams in our division, which surprised me because I thought for sure we wouldn't have been, but right. I mean, that gives you some reason to be hopeful, but at the same time, it's a new year. Teams were dealing with injuries last year, stuff that wasn't going their way, this, that, and the other. And it's, it's at the end of the day, you can't really put a lot of expectations on this season, especially with the impend- the inevitable COVID outbreak that's going to hit some team. Dallas already got hit by it, but you know they're not yeah. going to be the only team. If they're not doing a bubble, like, the NFL has had problems with it. NBA has had a few. So, I don't so know, man. Would you – I'm trying to think of this in the most logical way. If there were a few teams that had an outbreak, let's say, and let's say the Preds are one of them, and the NHL is like, well, we could reschedule some of these games for later on down the season or take – I wouldn't want to say take a loss, but, like, I don't know how you would kind of – differentiate points like that because dude it would be tough they would probably be having to play a lot of back-to-backs just to make up lost time um i know like there is like this weird gap for some teams like when they're playing the outdoor game in lake tahoe like the flyers bruins and knights and blues or somebody that they're playing but um there is kind of like a space there i don't know if that was like a built-in false uh, fail safe for a potential COVID outbreak but yeah I mean if push comes to shove they're probably going to try to squeeze as many games in as they can given that or extend the ske- the season just ever so slightly if they have to right it's I mean I would love to be a, a, a fly on the wall in those discussion boards so yeah just to know what's going through the ownership's mind right now with everything that's gone on. I mean, look at the NFL and how poorly they've handled rescheduling and how much it screwed teams over. And and the poor Browns this Sunday even might not even get to play with their head coach and their top offensive lineman because the NFL is like, Oh, it sucks. Yeah. I mean, you make a good point there because with today you have technology. We're talking right now via, via uh, online service of zoom and, you're in your house. I'm in my home. Like easily they could set up Kevin Stefanski via like, you know, some sort of earpiece to talk to his quarterback. You know what I mean? That's like, what that's- I'm saying. like 
I've been of the opinion this whole season, like if you have a coordinator or a coach who gets COVID, just bring him into a private entrance in the stadium, put him in an isolated box and let him talk to your quarterback, your quarterback or your middle linebacker, whoever, whichever side of the ball. Right. He's not going to give anyone COVID if he's isolated. And if you only give him like one path to the specific spot where he's allowed to be, how can he possibly give it to anyone else? You know what I mean? It's like, yeah, I agree. I was talking more, I guess, distant for me, I'd say from the house, somehow have some sort of, you know, home setup because obviously everybody goes through Twitter and sees all this stuff about Mm -hmm. sports and whatnot. Kirk Herbstreet had COVID or he came in contact with it. And his like setup for uh, the all state sugar bowl was like five or six monitors. And he was doing the game broadcasting it from his house, which was incredible. So I felt like if, if Herb Street can do something like that for college football, I am very certain they can do something like that for the NFL. Yeah, I mean, the only thing I'd worry about, and this is a little bit maybe too over, I'm probably like thinking too hard into this, it's just like the latency you might experience with getting the play calls in, because, you know, you only have that like one window, like you don't get the entire 40-second play clock to get a play in. I think you only get the first 25. Right. Um. So like, and also you're not down there on the field, like knowing who's fresh, who's ready to get in there. Like situations might seem a little different when you're that distant from it. I don't True. know. I'm an NFL coach. I'm just trying to think of all the different <laughs> factors that go into these sorts of things. And yeah, it just boggles my mind that we're so advanced as far as medicine and technology goes now. And we can't find a reasonable way to have someone on a coaching staff who has COVID still be able to do their job. I mean, we have medical professionals going in on a daily basis to hospitals risking getting it. And like, we have no problem with that. Yeah. So we don't like, we can't just like get those guys in like an isolated box on the sideline. <laughs> I, I don't get it, man. It, it makes zero sense sometimes, but uh, I think that was a good transition point. We started talking football a little bit. I see it behind you, giant Eagles logo. Please, Luke. Oh, yeah. Now is your time to really delve into what the head case was this past season. Okay. I mean, do you Probably want to like, the- recap of this debacle of a season, or do you want, like, just kind give of – me, You know what? Give me from when Jalen Hurts took over to now, because that that's, that's almost a season in itself, to be honest. Yeah, no, this is kind of like uh, <laughs> the season could definitely be broken down into the Carson Wentz transition to Jalen Hurts and then Jalen Hurts to whatever the hell happened against the Red Washington football team on uh, last Sunday. Um, so to start out with, Carson Wentz is definitely broken. There's just something clearly wrong with that guy, whether it's in his mind or his technique or his decision-making, which clearly sucked this year. I mean, his, his throwing motion, I could see it just didn't look as clean and as precise as it had been in previous years. Not even just touching on that MVP season that Eagles fans love to bring up, which was now three years ago. So I think we can let that go. Um, gotta move on right yeah like even just last year when he brought us into the playoffs and we lost to Seattle like he just looked like a different quarterback and like the confidence and the poise wasn't there and decision making was clearly off Um, people always want to say well we don't give him any weapons I'm like oh he's got 
he's surrounded by first and second rounders at skill positions. So in that regard, I think it's more the coaching staff, not scheming up plays that give him easy outs. If his main reads not there, you know? Yeah. Um, but moving on from that, I just don't think he was in the right headspace this year. I'm sure that Jalen Hurts pick threw him off just beyond repair. I know it did for me and a lot of Eagles fans because we could not make any sense of that pick for the yeah. longest time. Um, and then we get to this point in the season where Jalen finally has to step in there and take the reins because it's just reached such a critical point with Carson. And we still got a shot at the playoffs because our division's so bad. Like we got to do something, try and kickstart this team. And then people are like, Oh, well now the pick makes sense. I'm like, well, no, the pick probably caused this to happen. So yeah, exactly. Nice that we have Jalen now, but also like, it's probably because he's there that this even happened. Exactly. Um, well, I guess I can just leave it to the listeners at this point. Um, I have a question for you, Luca. Who do you think would be a better fit in that offense come next season? Jalen Hurts or Carson Wentz? Obviously, they're in a big bind with a contract, and Hurts is just flourishing in that offense. Or is Doug Peterson the problem? And I will get oh, to your answer <laughs> after the commercial break that I have here for us. Boys. You can't go wrong with the good old Gatorade, right? Well, ladies and gentlemen, we are back after the wonderful advertisement you heard of my wonderful voice. And uh, yeah, Luca, let's let's get your answer. Is Doug Peterson the problem to all of this madness? Or is Jalen Hurts the next thing for that franchise? Or do they just keep Carson Wentz and they don't take a big money cut, I guess. I don't know how you say it. Pay the ban. Uh, what, what do you think? Okay, so I'll just touch on each thing briefly and then give what I think is the ultimate solution. You yep. know, probably going to be completely off from what happened because this franchise just likes to throw curveballs left and right. Um, so with Doug Peterson, I do definitely think he's a little full of it. Ever since that Super Bowl year, he's felt himself to be the offensive guru um, that, you know, we apparently only need him. Um we haven't had a real offensive coordinator since that year when Frank Reich left for the Colts. And I don't think that's done us any favors. <laughs> so I think, yes, I think Doug Peterson is a big part of the problem. More than that, I think all of the front office is a big part of the problem because ever since Joe Douglas left to be the GM of the Jets, we have had no one else giving any input on personnel decisions. That is our meaningful input. Um, Besides Howie Roseman, who is RGM, who I used to have a lot of confidence in, I no longer do. Um, especially after the reports came out that all of our scouts wanted us to pick Justin Jefferson. And literally just him and Doug Peterson decided by themselves they are going to pick Jalen Rager. Um, and that's not a shot at Jalen Rager by any means. It's not his fault he got drafted there. It's just... You know, when you hear stuff like that, you just start to question a lot about the trust in the organization and, you know, the communication and all that. So that's my two cents about Doug and where he stands right now. Do I think it would be beneficial if he got fired? Yes. Do I think it could be beneficial if he stayed? Maybe. That depends a lot on the quarterback and how this draft goes with all this capital we have going in now. Um, and then as far as Jalen Hurts goes, um, 
I really love a lot of what I saw out of him, but I also question a lot of what I saw. Um, I loved watching him be assertive and step up and run when he needed to. And I also liked seeing him push the ball down the field when he actually had a receiver that was one-on-one, like let your guys go up and make a play. Um, but I also question his accuracy and that came against Washington. He was a grand seven for 20 for 76 yards or 72 yards, something like that. Um, through three quarters. Granted, he had two rushing touchdowns, so got to give him that. But I just don't I, – I like the leadership qualities too. I, I heard a lot of – I read a lot about how guys really respect it, even though he's, you know, first-timer in the league. He's he's really come a long way as a leader, and he puts a lot on himself. And, I, you know, you love hearing those things, and you, you just kind of take it for what it is, and you hope it's true. But um, – Do I think he can be a good NFL quarterback? Yeah. Do I think it's with the Eagles to be seen, I guess? Um, Would I mind it if he was our starter? No. Would I like it more if we could have the real Carson Wentz back as our starter? Yeah. Yeah. Um, The guy that threw a touchdown with the torn ACL in the playoffs or to get to the playoffs. Yeah. I love how people always discount the fact that he got us 11 wins that year and then Nick Foles – Basically, it was like our Mariana Rivera, but like, you know, they just loved to always say that it was all foals. I'm like, yeah, because he totally got the 33 touchdowns in every game to get us to that point. But anyway. Well, um, then I guess another question I'd have to ask is you mentioned earlier with Jalen Rieger of being, I mean, obviously great player. No, no, no. And as as every conversation goes, hey, let, let me let me start you there. Great player, but he didn't seem like he was the right fit passing on Justin Jefferson. And now seeing the year he had with Minnesota, it had to make Eagles fans just sick to their stomach. I mean, good for Justin Jefferson. Like it's not his fault. He got drafted one pick late either. I'm sure that actually probably motivated him to play harder this year, but yeah. Um, yeah, no, it, it doesn't sit well with us. Um, everyone's upset and it's not really, we, we don't want to direct all that at Rager because, you know, like back to the Peterson issue, he doesn't scheme up good enough plays to get Rager open or to make use of his speed and his talent. Yeah. It's like, if he's the only burner you have on the field, like obviously you just, you know, you keep someone up top and that pretty much negates that. So yeah. towards the end of the year, I thought we did a pretty good job getting Rager out in space and Hertz was finding them, but you know, it was a little too, little too late, but. Right. Now, I guess back to draft day when they picked Hertz and Rager and Peterson's thing in his head, maybe these two guys are the future and we're just going to have to take a hit with Wentz. You ever think that was in his mind at some point of like, maybe Carson's not the guy and I'm just going to force the Eagles to really get rid of him and pay all this money that could go to something way much better. Do you think that was ever in Peterson's mind? I mean, who's to say? I can't say. I mean, it's all speculation, yeah, but. Like, I wouldn't doubt that maybe that crossed his mind at some point, that he just had serious doubts about Carson's longevity and the kind of quarterback he is, and maybe he wanted a more dual-threat kind of guy and someone who could maybe hold up a little bit better because Hurts has a pretty clean injury record, relatively speaking. Um. Maybe, maybe that's why they did it. But, but at the same time, you can't tell me that you wouldn't sit there and say, 
Justin Jefferson, Jalen Hurts, you know, that sounds pretty good too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now, I, another thing I want to ask too is that with the Eagles and giving Wentz so much money to the point where it kind of makes me sick to my stomach that you're having a player that's, I guess, franchise material sit on the bench with so much money in his pockets. If the Eagles were to trade him this offseason, which doesn't look likely at all, it looks like they're just going to pay him and cut their losses from my perspective. Now they could hold on to him and do something else, but um, who do you think in the NFL would want to trade for a guy like that? So I was reading yesterday that Wentz, although he's taking time away to kind of clear his head and come back to the situation later, um, that he is open to restructuring his contract to make it less burdensome to get a trade done. Interesting. Which is just like the most Carson thing ever. Like he's just such a good guy. And it's like, even though we've totally like slighted you in every sense of the word, you're still willing to (laughs) go out of your way to take at least a longer stretch over to get all the money you deserve. Right. um, To make a trade happen. But say a trade were to happen, obviously I'd put the Colts at the top of that list just because Carson's MVP year or should have been MVP year. Mm-hmm. was under Frank Reich as OC. He's their head coach now. Frank Reich has gotten the Colts to 10 wins every year. He's been there with Jacoby Brissett and Phillip Rivers as his quarterbacks. So you got to give him a lot of props there. Yep. And I would, I would be confident that if Carson was in his system and under his leadership, he could maybe return to that form. Maybe not quite as good, but – I mean, just given that he's with the guy he was his best self with, I could see it happening. Yeah. Uh, other teams that maybe give him a look, um, I could see maybe the 49ers deciding to move on from Jimmy G because he can't stay healthy. Very true. Um, and they've got plenty of offensive weapons. Uh, the quarterback has been holding them back when they're bouncing between Nick Mullins and uh, C.J. Bathard, So Yeah, that's uh, – I mean, maybe even, maybe even Denver decides to just move on from Drew Locke because he's had a lot of uh, expecta- high expectations going into the last couple of years and has definitely not delivered, I would say. Yeah, it has not delivered at all. Uh, I, I've spoken on this podcast multiple times, especially when we talk NFL. Uh, I was never high on Drew Locke at all. Uh, I thought he was – at one point when we were doing this thing – a segment called um, Gems or Bust, I think, or a Bust or Must. Um, yeah, I remember listening to that. Yeah, I remember. I remember you guys did touch on Drew Locke, and you like were bashing him, and I was like, "Yeah." <laughs> I just hate that people just undervalue how. I mean, don't get me wrong. Like I say with Jalen Ray, hey, don't get me wrong. Great guy, great guy, great player, but no, not not a good quarterback. Not not a good quarterback. At yeah. All. I don't even really understand what they were going for because, you know, John Elway loves his tallest at quarterback. And Drew Locks, um, he's not the tallest, and he's honestly not that he, – he, even at Mizzou, he didn't show, like, a ton of promise. He had, like, one good half of a se- his junior season at Mizzou, and that was, like, enough to get him drafted, apparently. Right. So that's my reasoning there is that Carson fits more the mold that Elway would want. Um, yeah. Denver's definitely got this window right now where they could ditch Von Miller for some capital in return. They could trade for Carson. 
um, maybe get that offense jump started. Um, and then I guess if I had to give like a third, or that was my third team. But other than that, I don't see a lot of other teams really looking for him because uh, most teams have, at this point found their their guy. Yeah. Um, maybe Chicago would look into it if they're just really over the whole Trubisky thing. Yeah. And, um, and I wouldn't it, be surprised if Washington even gives a shout. I know it's in the division, but I wouldn't be surprised. I don't, would, I don't think we would do deals with Washington. See, the only way a player goes to another NFC East team is by signing with them, despite the one they left. They don't. I was just joking. Right. I just wanted to see okay. your reaction. <laughs> no, no, yeah, no. I, I mean, Washington's definitely going to be looking in the QB pool this year to see what's available. Like, I would be shocked if Cam Newton ended up there. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe Deshaun Watson ended up there, you know. Yeah, but would be, I, don't, I, I, don't I would like Carson. to see that. I don't see Carson being on their short list. And I would imagine Deshaun Watson with all those weapons that Washington's got now. Yeah. I mean, that that could be something scary. Him and yeah, Terry. Deshaun and Terry, one-two combo. That's – I mean, Ron Rivera is a great coach. He got a bad rap at the end of his career in Carolina. So Can't go wrong with Riverboat Ron, baby. Riverboat yeah, Ron. He beats cancer and gets himself to the playoffs. What a – what kind of Cinderella story is that? Come on now. Yeah, him and Alex Smith, both, they should share comeback player of the year, even though we're on the coach. <laughs> there you go. Oh, man. Well, I think we've kind of gotten to the end of this episode, but oh, there's I one thing. On the... There you go. Yeah. There's one thing I'm forgetting it's Meals with Meatball. Luca, you are now a part of this wonderful group of people that have followed suit with meals on meatball i have two lists tennessee tasties nashville nasties give me like three of your best on each and three of your worst on the other and give me one crazy story with nashville nasties okay so tennessee tasties i mean you can't go wrong with the loveless cafe we go there all the time great folks great food great atmosphere um and i'm I'm assuming you want stuff that's like pretty you know, it's unique to Nashville. Not. I mean, just like, yeah, but also if you find something that's a hidden gem, and you know me and my restaurants, I love me a good hidden gem to go find. Mm-hmm. I, I've had a few people they've reached out to me from this podcast. They go on my Instagram and DM me at the Nick Fraser Podcast. If you're not following by now, you should probably do that. You're missing out <laughs> on a lot of great content. Um, but a lot of people they DM me and they just say, "Hey, appreciate the meals with meatball." Like. I get a lot of good stuff out of like the Nashville nasties, Tennessee tasties. And uh, there was one person that DM me and they went to, I think the grilled cheesery. I mentioned. I was actually just going to put them at number two there. Cause <laughs> they're right over here. And they have one right here in Franklin. I love that place. It's a fantastic establishment. Um, they got some wild mac and cheese and uh, grilled cheese combos type stuff going on there. Really good. And the number three is pretty mainstream, I'd, I'd think, but I really like Rose Pepper Cantina because they just have phenomenal margaritas and also very nice people work there and the food's just, you get a lot for a little. Like, I always walk out of there probably three pounds heavier and only spend like $8, so. You can't go wrong with that place, honestly. You could get, like you said, small small amount for a big quantity and you take that home for tomorrow's lunch 
tomorrow's dinner, tomorrow's breakfast, lunch, and dinner. However you look at it, it could be three meals, could be one. You know, absolutely. Like, just depends on the kind of guy you are. Like, I don't really back down from a challenge, so I just kind of pound it out. But yeah, um, I guess going on to my Nashville nasties. Give it to um, me. I've had some stuff that was a little less than desirable at Edley's Barbecue on 12 South. Okay. Um, not a huge fan of some of the – their mac and cheese is gross. I don't really know what's going on with that stuff. Really? I don't think I've ever I, had their mac and cheese. I didn't care for it whatsoever. Um, okay. Maybe it's just me. I don't know. Hey, it might have been a bad day. Whatever. It's all right. Yeah. You know, it happens. It happens. Everybody has their days uh let's see what else i already know what my number one's gonna be because i have a story to go with it but <laughs> that's what we want to hear baby uh give us okay. number two what's number two gonna be here and you're, you're pretty hard pressed to find stuff that's bad in nashville honestly yeah, we're right boiled down here you know i'm just gonna do this because i know so many people love it and i just don't understand why is zaxby's i just don't get it <laughs> really really don't. i'm just gonna throw zaxby's under the bus because i just don't understand how people like it it's the heaviest greasiest chicken i've probably ever had and i would take chick-fil-a over it any day of the week because i don't feel like i'm gonna roll over and die after i eat it so okay. <laughs> um and then number one easily number one is the cheesecake factory and okay they have good food that's okay. not why well, they usually have good food, but the reason why is that Gabe's birthday, my little brother Gabe, has birthday on December 10th, and we were going to Cheesecake, because that's where he wanted to go. We we had a reservation for, like, 6.30, I think, 5.30, 6.30, one of those, and we show up at, like, 6.35. You know, no big deal. It's a Thursday night. They're not going to be that busy corona season you know the whole nine yards right what happens when we show up there oh sorry uh it's five minutes past your reservation so we gave your table to the next available customer you're gonna have to wait and we were like i mean okay so we're just kind of standing there waiting i'm like looking around the the restaurant i'm like there's just so many open tables like this doesn't make it we're a party (laughs) of four there's four of us like like okay whatever just wait and like another family comes in gets seated right away another one another one and then eventually my dad goes up and he's like is there a reason we haven't been seated yet we don't have a big party we had a reservation apparently we're just like a little bit too late like i just don't see like why it's taking so long she's like don't worry sir we're, we're waiting we're trying to get one for you blah blah it's like yeah okay so we're waiting there <laughs> and then this absolute you know what walks up to us select back hair little ipad you know he comes up and he's like are you folks waiting for a table and we're like yeah and he's like oh, i'm gonna have to tell you to get outside because we're not allowed to have people in here while it's there's corona going on well we were just like why are you being so aggressive about this like you could have just like also why did none of the ladies at the counter tell us like oh you have yeah. to wait outside like we can't have people in the in the little waiting area he was like super rude about it and that rubbed me the wrong way so this is where the story kind of picks up steam here so we go outside and it's cold it's december you know so we're waiting out there for a good like 10 15 minutes more and i've just had it at this point so i'm like (laughs) all right 
I'm gonna go in there and tell them we're canceling a reservation, but I'm gonna give them peace of my mind first. And <laughs> uh oh. So we go in there. Or I go in there, sorry. And there's like two girls at the hostess counter, and then the dude who told us to get outside, who looks like he has nothing going for him in life. And I go right up to him, and I was like, or no, I go to the counter first, and I was like, okay, I'm just gonna be upfront with you guys. We had a reservation. And we weren't that late, and it's only a, pers- a party of four, so I don't really understand, like, if you have a reservation system going, and you can't have people waiting in the waiting area, how our table got given away in five minutes in the first place, and also how you couldn't get another one within, like, maybe a 10-minute time window. Uh, yeah, time I know span. what you mean. So, I just want to throw that out there. But then on top of that, I'm very disappointed in the level of service we've gotten tonight because and all we ask is that we at least be treated with respect and then I turned to that guy and I was like like I don't even know who you are like you just walk up to us with your little polo and your iPad and you're like oh you guys are gonna have to get out now and he's like sir I didn't say it that way and I was like okay but tell me how you think you said it to us and he's like I came up to you guys and I said I'm going to have to ask you to stand outside I know it's inconvenient I was like you didn't say any of that you did not say a single thing in that tone (laughs) or that politely and I was like we just had this little back and forth I felt like such a child but it felt so good you would always go like I know what I said I say it every day the same exact way and I was like "Mm, but you didn't so I'm not going to give you the benefit of that doubt and I'm sure (laughs) these two right here were here to witness it and can probably attest to that and so after a little bit of an exchange and I just he eventually went, okay, fine. Like, what? what's your name? Like, when was your reservation? Blah, blah. He's like, I told him all that. And he's like, well, just for future reference, it says on our Yelp page that we don't hold reservations past five minutes. And I was like, you expected me to, to go on Yelp to, to find out that you don't hold reservations for more than five minutes on a Thursday in December. <laughs> during COVID. During a pandemic. I was like beside myself at this point. I was like, okay, well, since you love Yelp so much, you might not want to check it later because there's going to be something (laughs) rather unpleasant waiting for you. And I basically just told them all off. I was like, I'm just really disappointed in all of you. I hope you have a terrible night. Um, We're probably going to have a good night now for my brother's birthday, which you guys apparently couldn't provide for us, even though it wouldn't have been that difficult. And I hope you guys don't have any business the rest of the night. And we walked out. Okay. we ended up going to a different place. Uh, we watched football. Um, it was gave had a good time. Didn't stop him from having a nice birthday, which was good. There you um, go. Yeah, he's just he's an upbeat kid. You know, he can't really keep Gabe down. So I honestly am still curious on his birth certificate. I, I still think he, even though he may be a little brother, <laughs> I don't know. That beard's very. That beard is I very. Uh, I don't think he's the younger brother here. Yeah. No. And. Uh, I actually, funny add-on to this story is, I do, like I told you earlier, I'm doing the DoorDash stuff just to make a few bucks here and there. I had a delivery from there on Christmas Eve, and I saw that same guy. And I, as I was going to, like, the, also, first of all, don't ever take a DoorDash from Cheesecake because it is the most inefficient system you will ever have to come across. Okay. But, back to the story i saw that guy there at the counter and i was like 
oh, have you, uh, have you fixed uh, your attic, your act a little bit here yet, buddy? And he was like, oh, oh. And I was like, yeah, okay, see ya. And, <laughs> and that was that. But that is why they take number one on my Nashville nasties. Um, it's not really anything to do with the food. Like, I've never had a problem with the food there. It's just, like, the service and, like, the overall, like, rudeness. Right. The experience there is just I can't bring myself to, like, get over that. So I, I, I'm with you on that. Honestly, like if, if a five minute little gap, there is the biggest problem at all that that's crazy. I, I don't know. I mean, Hey, if, if it were me, by all means, if there's six or seven tables wide open, take them. You know what I mean? Like if they're open, they're open. Business is business. At the end of the day, business is business. Yeah. And, I'm like, uh, I know it's a pandemic and you're trying to space people out, but like, the tables there are like separated by little dividers and like why like mm-hmm. you know it's like how are we supposed to transmit virus across like essentially a wall you know yeah. like we're not facing it interesting yeah that, that is an interesting little topic there yeah i honestly last time i've been at cheesecake factory whew, it's been a it's been a hot minute i'd say like i might have been 11 maybe eight i don't know it's been a hot minute though but yeah. yeah um so those are your three nashville nasties interesting i like it um anything else i'm forgetting what what else am uh, I, forgetting? I didn't get to say whether or not i felt like it was immoral for the eagles to tank that game <laughs> oh yes i'm sorry please finish out with the eagles yes yeah, sorry i didn't mean to circle back all of a sudden but i did want to just give my two cents about how we don't owe the giants anything and they can suck it and they can take their ninth overall pick and be happy with that because otherwise they were going to get bounced by tom in the first round end up nine spots further back and also we don't we shouldn't feel obligated to try to win that game i don't care if losing is in your best interest you lose like i'm sorry we were talking the sixth overall pick in the draft like also, if you guys want to talk about having a fair shot at the playoffs, try winning more than six games and then talk to me. Like, you know, it's like you, you shouldn't feel entitled to have a shot at the playoffs with six wins. Like, I feel like I feel like a whole division could have could have their 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 good old Stern talking to about winning. Honestly, yeah. it's, it's a crazy thing, man. NFL is a crazy thing, along with food in the area of Nashville. Um, I want to say thank you to Luca for coming on the show today. Um, I'm really, really happy to bring a lot of new content this year in 2021. Um, obviously, 2020 was just a crazy, terrible year to mainly a lot of people. And uh, hopefully 2021 brings a lot of good fortune to everybody. And may the fortune be, you know, just good memories and happy times or, you know, actually fortune, fortune. I don't know what. Whatever you look at it, it's you hold your own destiny, I guess. I don't know. But uh, thanks, Luca, for coming on today. Um, if you guys are not following the Nick Frazier podcast, it is on Apple Podcast, Spotify, Instagram. Uh, not expanding to other platforms just yet. Uh, older episodes are on YouTube. We'll get to that eventually. Um, stuff's picking up. Uh, Going to have some new content, like I said before, and you know, some, some cool stuff in between episodes. So go check out the Instagram page and uh, we'll see you guys in the next episode. Peace.